Keys to the Commonwealth, a podcast where we share the real stories of local community members who are using real estate to build personal wealth, along with tips and tricks from professionals across the industry. And now, your host, Landry Fields. What's up, guys? Back for season two of the Keys of the Commonwealth podcast. I am stoked for today's guest. Uh, Stephen is on the show with us today. Stephen, how hey, are everyone. you? Uh, I'm good. I, I slept well. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So I've seen you around uh, the social media platforms a bit uh, as you've got a unique following and unique uh, niche that you uh, usually are kind of dive into or an expert in. So uh, before we kind of dive into that, uh, tell me a little bit about your background. How did you kind of end up in the bluegrass? It's a, a long meandering road. Um, if I make it short, I am from Detroit, Michigan. Okay. I grew up in Michigan my entire life, graduated from the University of Michigan, met my now husband shortly after graduating, uh, moved to Arkansas for two years for grad school. Okay. I studied music. I have three total degrees, one in music ed and then two in music. I played the tuba, moved back to Michigan, and a few years later, after being married for a couple of years, we decided to move to Kentucky. Uh, where most of his family lives, they're, okay. they're all. I was gonna say, there's got to be a there's got to be a, re- yes. a reason you just don't just normally move to the bluegrass. For yes, just certainly no was not a part of. <laughs> I didn't grow up thinking one day I'm going to move to Lexington. Yeah, um, I had never really been to Kentucky, uh, save for a couple of times. But yeah. uh, we moved here. And, you know, it's not a it's not a brand new thing to me. We always came down here while we were dating. Yeah, and uh, so you'd already um, been here and seen the landscape yeah. and the culture. And yeah, the- and my family is from the south, so like this is kind of a nice uh, mixture of Midwestern mm-hmm. and Southern. I think probably some Lexingtonians cringe at that, but when you go to where my family's from, like yeah, it's, it's, that's deep south. Yeah, it's yeah, very, it's very. Different. I always say this feels like the one of the northernmost parts of the south. Like it's definitely not you know deep south southern, but there's definitely it's still we still south. yeah it's we still consider south, ourselves you know? kind of like the south, right? Yeah. You know, like if you're going to go get tea, sweet tea, or you know, or iced tea, it's going to be sweet. And right, if you, it's right. not, you're like, wait a minute. So, and then you get to a little bit north of here, then that's when I feel like the accents change a bit. And, totally, yeah, uh, Cincinnati, and so forth. You know, it's like. Yeah. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, so you kind of uh, moved down here and then, um, so you grew up in like Detroit Metro? Uh, I grew up, I started in Detroit. I, that's another long meandering story. Uh, <laughs> I, I had a really interesting uh, childhood to leave it light. <laughs> and so I moved around a lot. Okay. Um, so I, by the time I got to high school, I was, I was in a fixed place for um all four years. So I, I did go to high school in the suburbs, but um grew up on the east side of Detroit and various parts of downtown and just nice. kind of all over. I've never Detroit. been to Detroit uh, except for the airport. I've been to other parts of Michigan, ah. Kalamazoo and stuff oh, like okay. that. So just never yeah, been a, in Detroit. Detroit that's kind of like the difference between, you know, Kentucky and Cincinnati. Like Western Michigan's a whole other yeah. whole it's pretty, other there's some, thing. There's some very beautiful parts of it. Oh, absolutely. Sure. If you ever get up north, uh, I mean, that is the shining treasure yeah. of why anyone endures six months of gray <laughs> and, and lake effect snow and all the things that, you know, people kind of like are not that excited about, including me. Um, Northern Michigan's gorgeous. And yeah. Western Michigan is too. There's a lot of beauty over there on, on well, the said this is the furthest north I can ever live, I think, is yeah. Lexington personally. But we'll go in the summer. I mean Yes, yeah. That's, like it's I need to. Go in the summer. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So you uh moved to Lexington and then you have kind of created a niche on as the correct me if I'm wrong, the Kentucky land guy. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. I mean, more or less. I, I like the Kentucky land guy. I don't think I've ever called myself that, but that's a hundred. <laughs> it's synonymous. It works. Yep. Um, yeah. So I, I got into real estate about the time that I moved here. Okay. Leaving the whole music thing behind uh, because of a series of just life and playing a very obscure instrument called the tuba and uh, <laughs> not a lot of jobs to get out there. Uh, there's like 70 paying orchestral jobs in okay. the entire United States. Yeah. So you live on freelancing, you live on teaching, you live on all these different things. And so I, I started the real estate thing. I really wanted to be able to have something that I could be passionate about. Like yeah. I, architecture doesn't particularly excite me. Like I sure I like helping people and that's cool. But when it comes to houses, I'm not like, Whoa, like look at this window. Um, but being outside is yeah. something that I've loved even from the time I was a kid. I mean, moving in and out of the suburbs, 
wooded areas, playing creeks, going to day oh, camps. Yeah. My mom always was trying to keep us out of trouble. So we were always busy doing something. And um, I've just been an outdoor person from the time I was little yeah. through college into adulthood. So nice. it's like, ah, oh, if I if I can find a way to sell land, you know, and you know, maybe get more involved with hunters and like yeah. kind of connect with like my own agricultural history from the from uh, the people in my family, like that'd be yeah cool. That was the general to, uh, idea behind all of hunter it. as well. Then I assume brand new hunter. Okay, so that's something that's entirely new, like backpacking and all that kind of stuff. I've been doing that for a while. I've been hunting for like eight months. Okay, um, I'm researching not, I'm for about not, two years, but I'm not a hunter. I've never really. I feel like a lot of guys are. We spend times outdoors, and it's usually, in my opinion, for one of three ways. Like we all do it, but it's just like either we're like these camper hiker type people, mm-hmm. like hunter type people, or golf. I knew you were going to say golf. I knew you were going to say but golf. But like in my opinion, I'm like I feel like we all spend outside out outdoors time outdoors. But it seems like that's what usually the three categories you fall into. Yeah, I. <laughs> I think that I agree. I think for me, I kind of put those first two together. Like I, sure. camping and hiking were the introduction for me. And I got to this point in, in 2020 before COVID happened. I was like, you know, I can do all this stuff outside to varying degrees, but I don't know how to like eat outside. Like I yeah. can go and I can tie knots and I can live outside for a week for two weeks. But I can't kill anything. I can. I, and I mm. certainly am not going to even start touching the plants because then I just die. Like sure. Terrible, terrible, like berry identification here. So slash fishing, I guess. I just say. yeah, sla- yeah, exactly. Which I've done that. So. Like angling and, and hunting. So like uh, the whole idea for me when I started getting interested in 2020 was just I would love to be able to combine the two activities. Sure. So like the entire uh, in the hunting community, there's a sub community of backcountry hunters. So they you know, they're on the on the trail for however many days and they're looking to get whatever game it is they're hunting oftentimes deer or elk or something like that, especially out West out West. It's huge here. It's not as, I don't know. It doesn't seem as prevalent. I don't know. Maybe it is. And I just don't know. There's a lot that I don't, I wouldn't know. I, I would not know. But so as the land guy, then, I mean, you know, I'm very illiterate when it comes to obviously land buying land. I'm on, I'm honestly personally trying to buy, uh, probably like 20 to 40 acres mm-hmm. this year is my goal with a oh, nice. business partner for like some as, other stuff. Like as one thing or you're like, you want a total of 20 to as 40? one thing. Gotcha. So I've got okay. some business aspirations that are more of a, uh, a work, uh, passion project that yeah. we're hoping to kind of do. Cool. Don't want to give too much away yeah, in that I, sense. I get that. But, um, I get that. but yeah, so I, you know, in that sense, you know, like I really don't know what it, when it comes down to land, like, you know, obviously I don't feel like a lot of, maybe there's some on just the Zillow, but it doesn't feel like you can just easily as go to, you know, a Zillow or something like that. Yeah. And so having somebody that knows land knows how it's the, the functionality with, you know, works with finding it, those relationships, um, and so forth like that. So definitely just, let's dive into that and that. Okay. Aspect. So, <laughs> well, where do you, you know, start? <laughs> so like, I mean, I'm just a new client who's interested yeah. in having a, either a hobby farm or a plot of land for hunting or my wow. other thing. I mean, what all goes into that as far as what you're kind of, uh, asking what we're kind of, I need to be, wouldn't need to be thinking about and so forth. Yeah. Sense. So it's land becomes such a, I mean, this is why I love it. It goes in so many different directions. Um, you know, you have a house, say this cup, I don't know if the cup is in the shot or not, but I have a cup sitting in front of me and that call that a house. A house has a primary purpose of living. Like it can be many different conditions. It can be many sizes, but like you look at a house and you're pretty much like, that's for people to live in it Yeah. with land. Um, the, everything that we do is on top of land, you know, unless it's water, but whether that's a business or that's a house or that's a farm or that's a place where you're hunting or relaxing, um, there's so many uses and the way that land sits, where that land is, uh, what lies beneath that land, all of those things go into its value and into, uh, it's, feasible function like what is feasibly possible to do on it so like you mentioned farm you know there aren't a lot of farms in eastern kentucky for really obvious reason it's covered in mountains yeah you don't typically grow large swaths of crops 
on an actual mountain. Yeah. For, so hard for to build, hard to raise anything on it, hard to grow anything right. on it's it. Right, it's sloped. You, you know, you try to grow something on a bunch of sloped stuff, you can't do it. Now, if you go out to like China or something where they have mountains, you know, you'll see um, a very famous configuration of farming where they terrace yeah, the yeah. sides of these places because you need it to be flat, right? Right. Um, but then you also need soil to be right. And, you know, there's not a lot of incredible soil in mountainous areas mm-hmm. every once in a while you'll find some bottomland or you'll find you know these little patches of places where you can grow things but um that's just one example of like what is feasible um uh, and how the way the land looks re- relates to that feasibility yeah, yeah. i mean the, the, the cool part is it kind of like commercial sometimes where you can kind of think outside the box you're not you're you're dreaming about what it could be or what it could be to you or what your interest mm-hmm. is in it uh, and so there's a big creativity aspect of it, which yes. is why I'm interested in it for some things. A lot of creativity and depending on, you know, the hill that you have to climb figuratively in order to realize whatever that dream is, um, it could be a lot of creativity and a lot of money <laughs> because people, they'll yeah. say, Oh yeah, I can't build on the side of a mountain. It's like, well, if you go out to California, you'll see this Frank Lloyd Wright looking masterpiece that's yeah. built into a cliff. You absolutely can. Yeah. Can you afford it? You know, that's the, right. that's the real question. So, um, you know, your, your dreams are sometimes only as big as your wallet. True. That, that's definitely true. Money, money helps when you have dreams and aspirations for stuff. That's for sure. Yeah. So as far as, I mean, let's talk to that about as far as land, obviously there's, can be a large fluctuation. I assume based upon location of where land is 100%. type of thing. And, but what are some of those main driving factors as far as, you know, when I'm, it's easy to get really used to looking at Zillow or home prices mm-hmm. and see like, this is what it should be selling for. Yeah. And we're pretty close to the ballpark typically, but land seems like it could be all over the place. So yeah. talk about that a little bit. Um, so, I mean, around here, your, your, uh, some of your biggest influencers off the top of my head are going to be location. So we live in Lexington. We're recording here. Well, we're not technically in Lexington. Are we? We're in Nicholasville. Um, we're, so Lexington is the horse capital of the world. Is yeah. the people that you are often uh, talking to in your show probably already know. And by virtue of that, you know, if you're wanting land where horses are our primary agricultural product in this particular city, well you're going to pay a really high price for that. When mm-hmm. the horses are selling for $43 million and you've got a hundred <laughs> acres in Fayette County, you're not going to get that for the same hundred acre price of growing corn. Right. Someone's <laughs> going to use that hundred acres for some horses. And I feel like the whole horse farm is such a sub niche community. Oh, like, yes. I don't feel like I even know anybody and it's like, well, it's, but, it's very institutional from a yeah. family standpoint. It's very old. Um, when you start going back to the days of the, Corn and cabin rights in Kentucky back in like the 18th, 18th century. Um, is it 18th? I think so. Anyway, um, you know, people were growing tobacco out here and then everyone had horses because yeah. that's the way that you got around. And then we discovered all these things about our limestone and bourbon and, and whatever. And um, all of those things rather relate to what makes it so special to even be here. What's so special about our soil. But yeah. in any case, between tobacco and uh, horses, this was the place to be. And this is the horse capital of the world. Uh, you know, no, no sweat on, on Churchill Downs, but Keeneland's the oh, real, yeah. that's the real gem of hundred percent. If you're not it's, from Kentucky, Keeneland's where it's at. It's much yeah. better experience. It than starts the thoroughbred racing uh, season and mm-hmm. it ends. It, it is the book end yeah. because I always tell people if you're going to come to Kentucky to visit, you need to come April or you need to come October. One, the the, yeah. the trees are always optimal both those types uh, months of the year. It seems Absolutely, like yeah. Um, the Bring jacket Benadryl, weather though, in April. <laughs> <laughs> the pollen. Yes, the pollen. I've never been more allergic to mm-hmm. anything than the state. Like <laughs> it's brutal. Which sometimes. is you know like still baffles me why we have goldenrod as our state flower type of thing. Why we can't change that, I don't know. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so, I mean... So, so, location. Yeah, location being one, you know, obviously it's price. uh, Let's go from the standpoint of, like, there's not a structure building on it type of thing is what I, I think I'm thinking about for hunting or for developing or... Yeah, so after location, I mean, even if it's not 100 acres, say that it's 20, um, the next just comes to demand, what you're going to pay price per acre, really anywhere around here, not just in Lexington, but some anything that touches Lexington, you're going to pay a much higher price for something um, 
less than 20 to 30 acres. It kind of depends on the county, but yeah. under that 20 to 30 range, but maybe above five or 10, there's a, there's a premium for that. Okay. Um, everybody wants that. Everyone that wants land, I shouldn't say everyone, people that are otherwise not farmers, not in the um, horse business, they want that small acreage. And so what happens when you have a really big demand for something, but not a lot of it. Well, the price goes up, especially right. then when you're really close to, again, where everything is, the horse capital of the world, slash where most people work, slash where all the restaurants are, slash UK and healthcare and, 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 and. Yeah. So the other big influencer, I would say, is how much acreage you want. Um, when you start getting beyond that 30-acre mark, again, that's dependent on the county, but you start getting beyond that, it's kind of like the Costco concept. Um your price per unit goes down. The more you buy, okay. the less it is per pound or less it is per whatever, sure. you know, like okay. buying that one bag of chips versus the 24 pack, <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to save per unit. Um, so acreage around here works very much the same. There are not a lot of people that want or need or can use a hundred or 150 acres. Now you still may end up paying bottom line more. Yeah. But when you start dividing that acreage down, it's going to be a lot less per acre for that. Speaking to the large acreage aspect, Mm -hmm. has there been, it seems like there's been a bit of an uptick um, in the purchase of that size for the specific use case of uh, leasing that land out to either farmers or others. Have you seen any of that or agree with that at all? Or maybe that's not Kentucky specific as much as it might be other uh, more flat areas of the country in that sense. But so the uptick I have seen is just people wanting to move here from other places. Yeah. Um, so yeah. In 2020 and 2021, I personally, but I know other agents for sure that have seen this, but I personally saw and sold more homes on acreage than I previously had sold because they wanted to be able to live a, a more country or rural yeah. or insert similar adjective. I think we'd probably agree life. COVID probably uh, accentuated that that idea that people wanted to kind of more or less kind of get away to where it was quieter or you're more, yeah. uh, can kind of create more of your own lifestyle with a quieter lifestyle type yeah. of thing in that sense or have the freedom to kind of use your land and what be more self-reliant yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, My wife's wanting chickens so bad. I'm like, really? I'm like, <laughs> we need to get a couple acres and then we'll add it or something like that. Like we're in a, just the neighborhood of like Lexington. I'm like, I, our, na- our immediate it's neighbors, legal. it's legal. My immediate neighbors have a chicken coops, but like ours is our yards not be able to be fic- uh, fenced in. And so mm. I'm like, I, that's, there's not a lot of room type of thing in that sense. Chickens are high maintenance. Yeah. In my opinion, yeah. I don't have chickens. I have 13 acres. And I don't have a chicken. Oh, really? I have, yeah. I have an outdoor cat. <laughs> there you go. I have an outdoor cat. He's pretty cool. Um, but that's a different story yeah. for a different day. Um, but as far as like specifically to your question of yeah. more people leasing to farmers, a lot of farmers lease land for sure. I could not speak to if there's more leasing going on. I Does know, that kind of fall more under commercial real no, 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 not at all. It's it? just okay. that like a lot of that stuff really happens. Agriculture is so communal when you be, and I, I say that not speaking as a farmer, but just speaking as f- from the perspective of knowing a lot of them. Yeah. So if you are actively farming and that is like part of your livelihood, um, you know, people in your community sure. and you, you know, your neighbors and all that kind of stuff. Cause if you've got cattle, I mean, sometimes cattle get out or a fence falls yeah. and you know, Stuff like that. So leasing is often done the way that you might borrow sugar from your next door neighbor. You know, people don't always involve a real estate agent in that perspective or in that situation. I will say um, with the diminishing number of farmers just from a national standpoint and certainly from, I would say, a statewide standpoint, People are farming less, yeah, and a lot of that agricultural land here is being sold because you know the generations after Just that farming family are not interested. They can't. Um, they, they never learned how to farm. Farming is also really hard. And um, I, I would say requires, a lot of times to be successful, you have to have a whole lot more than you used to because yes. to be profitable. At yes. the end of the day, I would assume because of now you have technology and these tractors and things that you, you need a lot more land to be. You, you need more. You need more. 
of a lot of things. You need more technology. You need more money. Um, yeah. Oftentimes, you need more than one job. I don't know very many farmers who farming is their primary occupation okay. from an earning standpoint. They have to do other things. Um, and then around here, even you know, again, you're not you're not really farming crops in central Kentucky for sure. by and large. <laughs> sure, there you know there are sections of of, of little sub regions of central Kentucky where you'll find a tobacco farmer, you'll find a corn farmer and stuff like that. But our largest agricultural activity, if you're going to be around Lexington is horses. And even though we think of horse racing as a sport, um, it is absolutely an agricultural product. So um, now when you get out West, different story, that's where the end of the corn belt is. Mm -hmm. And when I say out West, I mean, Western Kentucky. Sure. Um, So Graves County, McLean, all that kind of stuff. They're growing corn They're You know, they have expansive four or 500, 600 acre spots where it's, you know, they're, they're being profitable because of the soybeans they are growing and and things like that. So um, it definitely seems like it's been a big return since COVID too. Like I'm interested in like finding local beef, local chicken, Mm -hmm. local meat, the kind of, you know, that's usually healthier for you at the end of the day and supports the local you yes. know, farmers and stuff like that, which always I love. Always a proponent of that. So, uh, yeah. I said always a proponent yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's been a cool aspect too, I think. Yeah. And I think that there's been a bigger reach out for those local touches. I, I think COVID kind of put, put that conversation on an accelerator. I think COVID put a lot of things on an accelerator, but yeah. Um, you know, people liked buying local. We've had farmers markets here. We have a pretty, we're pretty in touch with our agricultural side. But I think with COVID, it was like we're all at home and like businesses are faced with being shut down and yeah. not coming back. And it's like, no, I don't want, I don't want Landry Fields's stuff to go under, or I don't want Mister and Mrs. Smith's farm to go under. Like I'm going to, or the I'm security gonna... of assuming there's always going to be food at the local grocery right. with supply chains. Yeah. You know, not. You're like, well, maybe there's this chance. I think it, it made be- people more aware. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's awesome to see. Um, and I think a lot of that yeah. momentum has really continued. Especially in the in the world of YouTube and everything like these days, right? Like, yeah. I'm a big proponent of that, like, uh, and that's a conversation for another day, but the how drastically AI and the world of YouTube, et cetera, is going to be changing education. Like, and it has to, like, I mean, if they're not, if they're not, if people are not aware of this or not focusing on how do we, you know, what is important, like type of thing is going to, you're going to be left behind in that sense. But the idea of like, you can go and learn anything these days, like there's no excuse in that sense. Like I don't have to like force my way to go over to a library and start doing a bunch of research and books. I can, I mean, how many times have you looked up YouTube? I assume to be like, I need, I need to know how to do this, learn how to do this, hundred percent, learn how to do the podcast where we're doing right here. You know, it's like you can learn anything. And there's such a big I've seen on Riddles like that people just showing farm life, and I mm-hmm. think that's become real popular. I even like watching them. You're like, you know, yeah. it's kind of quieter sometimes. It's it's very aspirational. I think there's a, a really big distinction between like living uh, a little bit more agrarian or farm like. Yeah, you know, half a century ago, most people were connected to agriculture in one way or another. 50 years before that, most people were farming in their own backyards to help provide for their family, yep. even if they worked for, for larger farms. Um, I think today, you know, the idea of having a gentleman's farm or, or a hobby farm is cool, but it's also so distinctly different from running it as a business, which um, I'm always a stickler for. People say, oh, I want to buy a farm. And I always ask um being literal and not, not usually trying to, I'm not trying to condescend, but I'll say, you know, what is it you want to grow? What is it you want to raise? Say, Oh, I just want some land. I said, Oh, well, that's not quite a farm. You know, I I think farmers work so hard. 2% of our entire population farms in this country. 2%. Wow. Is it that low? And probably was like, it was probably one of the main things back when. Yes. 19th century, you're talking well over 60% of something related to farming yeah. or farming directly. That's crazy. So 2%. And so to, to own 50 acres is great, and it may be hard work to manage it, but it's not the same yeah. as growing something or raising something for the sustenance of 350 million people right. on this on this that's uh, a country's whole soil. other topic for sure yeah. in that sense. Yeah. But I mean, as far as like, so, you know, back to, you know, if I'm interested in buying land and stuff like that, you know, obviously there's a, it's, there's not traditional necessarily mortgages and I'm not trying to necessarily speak to specifics about that, mm. but you know, if there was a client, what would you be educating me on and how that's different between the rural kind of, uh, what do they call that? Uh, rural loans for rural land kind of a thing. Um, um 
Are we talking about USDA loans and stuff? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Those types of things okay, so, specifically for farm. So or, money works or, a, a, uh, in a lot of different ways um, when it comes to land. Raw land, I guess. Is really uh, what so if you're buying a farm, a legitimate farm, if farming is going to be your business, there are USDA programs, much like there's a USDA rural housing loan. USDA rural housing loan works all over the country. There are places such as Lexington that don't qualify yeah. for that rural area as seen by the government, but it's a government guaranteed loan, just like the VA, just like the FHA. That's just for houses. There are USDA loans for farms for when you are actually farming a, a piece of ground for a, uh, a money-making purpose yeah. and whatever. And so you can get a loan like that. Again, okay. that's something where you've been registered for you know, a, a farm ID and you have a business plan or you okay. already have a history farming. If you're buying raw land. Almost like a business as far as the way that's thought. 100% started. like okay. a business. 100%. Um, and then there are land loans, which will vary by for most lenders where you might even have an acreage limit mm-hmm. and it's probably going to be a balloon loan. So you're going to put 30, 35, maybe even 40% down. You're going to have a 10 year term, uh, seven to 12, whatever, yeah. but let's call it 10 and you'll pay interest only. And then at the end of that seven to 10 or 12, your entire principal is due. Now you can overpay during that time or whatever, but sure. um, that's how most land lending works around here with the exception of two lenders. Can I give a shout out of yeah. two lenders? Okay. I wasn't sure. Okay. So there's um, my favorite rule first rule. First is a, an arm of the farm credit uh, from farm credit, mid America. <laughs> so many words. And so they lend money for land the way that people lend money for houses in a conventional way. Okay. So you can put 10% down, 15% down or 20% down for a fixed rate. Okay. For 10, 15, or 20 years, respectively, which is pretty incredible. It's wow. very much unheard of. Yeah. Um, Landline lending does a similar thing. They have a $100,000 minimum, though. Okay. Um, they have a little bit lower of a credit requirement from a score perspective, whereas rule first, last I checked, because a lot of this fluctuates just given interest rates and, like, you know, the Fed and whatever. But rule first, uh, there's no minimum, but you do have to have a credit score minimum of 720 okay. in order to take advantage of that 10, 15, or 20% down gotcha. with the 10, 15, or 20 year term. Okay. So um, a lot of people, depending on the the amount of land and the their budget, a lot of people buy cash. I mean, that's a very common thing to do because in some manners of speaking, you might spend $60,000 and that $60,000 may be, you know, a down payment for another house. So sometimes yeah. people have that kind of cash lying around. When you start talking about three and four and $600,000 properties, most people are looking for some type of loan, um, especially if they're first-time land owners. Yeah. Um, they're usually borrowing money to to make that happen. Gotcha. Yeah, because I know for me, like, I, it, what I'm interested in, there's kind of the idea with the banks and those conversations with the banks where um, – acquiring the land in a separate transactions from what I wanted to do slash develop on the land would need to kind of be in two. It seemed like it was easier, much easier to be done. And from two separate things, acquire the yes. land first, then work with the banks on kind of uh, the, that's the usually my side. professional guidance for anyone, even when they want to build something, they're like, well, I yeah. want to get a construction loan. I'm like, well, are you really ready for that? Because in a construction loan, you need, home plans. You need mm-hmm. to know everything that's going to go into that house. You need to know who's going to build it. Know if your lender is going to allow that person to build it and feels that they're not a risky person or right. risky business or that they are insured and all that kind of stuff. It's much easier to get the land, um, maybe even pay on it for a couple of years and use that land than as leverage for your construction loan. Right. Because a lot of times no one wants to really rush through the process of home design, choosing an architect. And most people, frankly, are not prepared for the amount of work that that happens. So I usually suggest like, Hey, find where you want to build the house. You can think about how that house needs to look later. Yeah. Um, but if you are trying to do all of this stuff at once, you're likely to be overwhelmed and and you're likely to be underprepared for how many things you actually need to have ready for a lender to say, yes, we will give you money for this loan and to build this house. Like, let's go. Yeah. It's probably not going to be a smooth process for you, (laughs) especially if you've never built the house. Yeah. A hundred percent. What are the different kind of like zoning aspects? Like, or is, is there guidelines that have to be kind of a, you know, we're talking, you know, 
a lot of the rural counties around mm-hmm. Kentucky and so forth, other aspects that play, depending on what you want to do, whether it's farm, whether mm-hmm. it's maybe it's a hunting ground, maybe you're renting out these, you know, campsites now where people are building mm-hmm. like, you know, where they're coming to like set up a tent camp, uh, whether they want to set up like an Airbnb on it or versus live on it type yeah. of thing. Like what are, what are the zoning aspects? Zoning is, I mean, it's that? just varied. You have there, to get it changed. There or are there places a, that are completely unzoned. Okay. Where it's just like, you know, as long as you're abiding by, <laughs> like general law, and, you know, and not like storing like plutonium on your <laughs> land, um, or using you know your land to like do anything illegal. Then sure. it's kind of like you can build whatever you want. Yeah. Whereas when you get to some of the more established c- cities and towns here, like uh, Mercer County, where Harrodsburg is, mm-hmm. um, Harrodsburg has city limits, uh, and then there's a lot of Harrodsburg that is Harrodsburg address, but is governed by different county rules versus like sure. city rules. Yeah. Um, and in those cases, their zoning is very, very spelled out, which I, I love. And here's the thing. It's not spelled out everywhere. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's hard to find. And then other times it's just like very nebulous. But for them, agricultural land, uh, it would be A1 is how they would label it. Okay. Uh, they list all the permitted agricultural activities. And under agricultural activities, hunting is permitted. Okay. Whereas if you are in Lexington, for instance, we have an urban services boundary. Mm-hmm. And then we have out in the country like where I live, the rural services boundary. I am governed by the entire county and city, but I do have some different rules. Yeah. You cannot discharge a weapon for any other reason than self-defense inside the urban services boundary. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to hunt in my backyard or shoot clays where I live, 100% legal. Okay. So, and that's, that's just yeah. an example of, of zoning and, yeah. and, you know, agricultural uses are going to vary and be different, different counties, different incorporations. So, right. um, it really looks different everywhere. It depends on where you're building to ultimately say, do I need to change zoning or ask for a zoning variance yeah. or am I just free and clear to like hit the ground running? Cause I know I've got a client, um, in one of the counties surrounding Fayette County where they opened up, they basically turned, they had a dwelling on it. So it was their home, but then they had enough acreage where they turned it into a wedding, you know, a wedding venue, like Mm -hmm. barn and everything like that, which is more common these days. But it's like they had to get, you know, this not sometimes we think start thinking out of the box or becoming more creative with stuff, and the counties aren't ready for that. And I think they had to like change some of the. Because the, the now he's running a business. He's yeah. probably had to switch to some sort of B1, B2, or B3 yeah. type. Go through of, that real quick as far as what those kind of common ones, that not all of them, obviously, oh, but gotcha. just the common just ones. Like that common you, labels? Common so, labels for like the land stuff. So that, um, you've got agricultural, which usually has a few different gradations. You can yeah. have like agricultural one, agricultural two, sometimes agricultural residential. You could have residential, which has, again, several gradations. There's like R1, R2, R3, mm-hmm. and these those all have different rules. Um, there's business zoning. Right. Um, business is typically where you're going to find your strip malls and things like that. Yeah, that can be very, very between habitational or mixed use or all that right. stuff. Yeah. Um, but then also, you know, if you live in a certain part of a county and you want to have a wedding barn, you may have to switch what was a one to a a B three or something yeah. because of the amount of people your barn can hold versus if you just had a place where people could take pictures and stand outside, you might not have had to switch it. So right. it depends on, you know, and those zoning qualifications are the same no matter if we're no, just they're Kentucky. not the same. They're not the same. So we're, when we're talking about, we're talking about Kentucky specifically, we're talking, we're talking about, about literal different counties and cities. Okay. So every, so zoning. Okay. That's zoning, what I didn't know. Zoning is not universal. Yeah. That's okay. what I was saying about the whole like Mercer County. Like you can go hunting in yeah. A1, but where I live, where it's A1, I, you know, I, I, so you, you could have both have a one, but the rules that govern dictate those a one. Yeah. Could be and that's why I was just going option. through like this whole yeah. list of what they're called because what's. So just that so you look at it and say a one that doesn't really tell you uh, no. all the all the details and information. That Not you even close. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, it can be, it's intense. And so <laughs> it, it, Yeah. It's intense. <laughs> Which is why you need a land person if you're going to yes. buy land. Because if you're like me and you don't know and you're trying to buy land, I mean, that's you, you could get yourself in some hot water there. And you really could. Buy something that you had aspirations to do. and Which, honestly, that's with part of my uh, you know, proje- uh, project of my passion project type of thing where I've got to really dig through all that it's based upon certain, certain areas, certain guidelines. Because it obviously, like you said, does change per county, per 
uh, city versus not city within the city limits type of thing. So yeah, it's a lot it's, to work through in that. It it, it absolutely uh, is. And then the further, excuse me, the further that you get out, um, the less technological things tend to be. Um, <laughs> I you don't say. I've sold a lot of things in Wolf County, and yeah. I love Wolf County. It's gorgeous. It it holds our prized possession, the Red River Gorge. If you've oh, never yeah. heard of that. Um, of course, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to them. Right. Of course, you know. Um, but they're, you know, a lot of their stuff is not online, which yep. you may say, oh, you know, that's awfully millennial of you. But I mean, by and large, most oh. land records and things are online. It's a 20 I mean, so I'm an insurance, so I have to deal with the PVA all the time. And right. it's yeah. So like, why we can't have a standardized PVA? That's a whole other conversation. I think we just need to have a standardized blockchain PVA, but that's a. Yeah, that, that's a. That, there's no way that's going to happen. Now you're very putting quickly. up against like yeah. democratic <laughs> principles. Yeah, who's voted for who and things like that, yeah, and who pays for what. It to, makes sense to me, but I'm like, yeah, you know, that's a. A lot of PVAs are online, as you know, um, but like in Wolf County, yeah. you know, to to find land records, it can be very difficult to find those records digitally, and or sometimes, um, like we were talking about, even the specific boundaries of the plat of the land because it's been passed too. down. And then certainly, um, what's the other, what, what we've been talking about zoning. Yeah. Um, you know, I can go and find Madison County zoning, whether it's countywide or just the city of Richmond or if it's paint, like, like whatever I can do that. So, so easily. Yeah. Wolf County. It's like, I've got to call one of the sweet ladies down there and say, Hey, uh, would you mind helping me out? And yep. just, scan me a thing of what the a one zone is. Like, I know what the zoning is, but I don't know what the zoning says. Like I know what this property is zoned as, but I need to understand, you know, what's permitted, what's conditional, what's prohibited. And, you know, they'll, they'll do that for me sometimes, but, um, that's, that's phone calls. And then sometimes yeah. they're just like, no, you got to pay for that. It's like, oh, well, can I give you a card over the phone? It's like, nope, you got to come in. You got to go. Like, <laughs> I've done that. I've gone to Fleming County and they didn't have any, like at the time they didn't have any sort of electronic way to pay. She says, well, honey, you can just, when you're up here, you can bring a check next time. And I'm like, that's awfully trusting, <laughs> but I couldn't just right. do that over the phone. Yeah. I could sign up and they could give me a password, but to if pay, anything, COVID to, helped try to like realize that people had to start kind of playing in both a spheres little a little bit more at least yeah. than yeah. they were. That's for sure. My biggest beef is PVAs where like you have to like, they want you to pay for every, every time you look like, at in Fay County is easy enough. And Jessamine County is easy enough. It's like everywhere else outside that they're like, no, I'm not paying a monthly subscription so I can pull a couple, a couple PVA things each. That's that's me going on my. No, I, I hear you, but I, I know I know the feeling in that same sense. You're like I totally get it. I just before I got here, I'm I'm working on a listing in Mason County, which is on the Ohio River. Yep. For those of you not familiar, and um, to use their PVA, you can you can look up an address, you can see how big it is and what it sold for. You want to look at a map. You must pay money <laughs> and they don't have Mason County doesn't have their PVA set up such that you have a time limit yeah. necessarily. If you want the lowest subscription level, you're limited to five records. So yeah. if you want more than five, you got to move up to a level yeah. and it's just those five records for the year. And I'm like, oh, man. so if I'm looking for land, then what, what's the best places, uh, obviously working with somebody who does land like yourself, but like, what are some of the best places to be looking at? What, like if it's for sale or is a lot of times it's just off the public listings or is there separate place, sites like on the computer or yeah. best place geographically like to go? Uh, let's go with both in that sense. We'll start with the, gotcha. if I, I'm just researching on the computer, like finding certain areas and looking for land. I would say you stay can stay away from Zillow. Yeah. Cause you can like check mark the box to say lots or land. Right. Yeah. But it's like Zillow just is, it's not intended for that, really. I don't think it's not. It's not really intended for it. And Zillow, here's the thing: when it comes to a lot of these vertical listing sites, Zillow, Redfin, Trulia, everything that they're getting on those sites, unless it's a for sale by owner, but everything they're getting from those sites is coming from a source. It's yeah. coming from a source of where some other realtor holds their membership. Yeah, it is much better to go on to that local MLS if you're really interested in staying on a system yeah. than going on Zillow. You might say, yeah, well, it's easier. It's like, well, do you want it to be easy or do you want it to be right? You know, right. like, so. Something I've found even on Zillow, like a lot of times, like, it's like, oh, the land's not even for sale. And it was just right. still, it was like sold and it's never been updated. Because it didn't like syndicate yeah. from the, yes, go to the source. That's always my, my, my thing, whether yeah. it's a house or land. But then what sources are there? I'd say, um, CoStar who owns like 
umpteen different. They own apartments.com. They own uh, okay. LoopNet. They also own Lands of America, land.com. Like they own, they own all these different things. Yeah. A lot of land specialists will put their stuff on um, Lands of America. Okay. Um, not all, but a lot of them will. And then there's a lot of mom and pop things that don't belong to MLS associations at all. Uh, and then some bigger things. Uh, an example of something bigger would be whitetail properties. Yeah. They are notorious for not being a part of MLS associations. They want complete control, understandably, of all of their listings. And they want it to be such that you have to call them in order to get more information. Yeah. And they, they want to keep as much business as Which possible. Which is why, obviously, I would say it's more pivotal for somebody like yourself it, uh, to work with in that sense because there's a just so many more variables as far as what's out there, how yes, to find it, where exactly. to search for it. There so really forth. are. Between a place like White Tail Properties, which I know a lot of those guys and they're awesome, but the way they operate, they're like, we are independent of the MLS. Now they'll put some of their stuff on Zillow, okay. um, but they're independent. And then there's just like mom and pop stuff where they're like, we're not a part of an MLS. I'm not familiar with White Tail. Is that a, White Tail Properties? Is that like it's a, national. It's a national thing. Okay. White Tail Properties is owned by a guy named Dan Perez. Uh, he started it, I don't know how many years ago, but it's, uh, uh, kind of hunting slanted, but yeah. they will sell things that are, you know, like beautiful estates with a cabin on it, like a really nice cabin okay. or, or even sometimes I, I do see a home on there every once in a while, but they, they really skew toward the recreational side of land in general okay. with some agricultural um, applications. And um, I can't remember what state they started in, but they are everywhere. They're absolutely okay. everywhere. Check um, that out. Whereas, you know, I can think of the Bruner Land Company. I don't know that they're part of the MLS or not, but they sell a lot of stuff in Harrison County, yeah. uh, like Irving County, like kind of that that bridge between Northern Kentucky, but we're not in Northern Kentucky yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah. But we're not really central. It's like it's just weird. There is a little bit of a void there in some respects once you get past Georgetown to get yeah. to Northern Kentucky. Nicholas County yeah. is like there but it's not really like there's a large arc in case of floods but that you know i don't know a lot <laughs> a yeah. lot more uh, but as i mean as far as locations i mean obviously it, it could be va- i mean that could obviously be dictated by your preference and yeah. where it's located to an extent but what have you seen as far as especially people coming in they're wanting to buy more land is there some kind of hot pocket areas or places that are kind of under the radar that that under the radar are? i would say uh I always say this, Madison, Clark, Harrison. See, I thought Clark was an under-the-radar one, too. I used to live a little bit in Clark County for a mm-hmm. few years, Powell County before that. With, oh, uh, nice. You know, uh, but, yeah, I feel like Clark's kind of that last um, yeah, county where it's not really exploded like all the other ones have around yeah. the Fayette County. In that Contextually, sense. I do not know why. I've asked this question to various right? people that are older than me and have been uh, in the development business. I'm just like, yeah. what is... What's the story there? Because if for folks that don't know, Clark County is east of Lexington or yeah. Fayette County because Lexington and Fayette are the same mm-hmm. thing. And running through Clark County is Interstate 64, which is one of only two entire interstates that we have in the entire state. Yep. So it runs right through this very wide county, Clark County, and ostensibly would be a great place to have development. It's the reason why a place like Georgetown has exploded. I-75 runs straight through Scott County. Yeah. And so it's like, great, easy to Makes commute, sense. easy to get to Lexington, mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. Location, location, location. Clark County hasn't done that. And I don't I don't know if because you I don't can definitely know. sometimes get into these uh family controlled counties of mm-hmm. sorts where they're just kind of like I mean Woodford's an extent they they really hold their cards close to the yes. hand, right? You know, in that sense as far as what they want. I was like, but I've never heard I don't know why either. It's like it's like this mystery. It seems well, like to Woodford me with Clark, was, Co- with Clark County. That's yeah, Clark that County. Is. Yeah. Woodford was more of a reaction to what was happening in Jefferson sure. County. And sure. It's like, ooh. <laughs> we don't want to be that way. And, and yeah, when I say yeah. that way, I, I don't want to be uh, like uh, general. I mean, specifically, we don't want to be at a place where we're developing sure. every which way. They almost have a Fayette County urban service boundary mindset. It seems yes. like with within there. Absolutely. But yeah, uh, Clark County, it's. We had, I, I, had, I was at a talk the other day and I'm one of the, I was a big developer and I know they were, uh, there's definitely going to be a lot more, seems like restaurant and chains and kind of that kind of thing going into Clark County. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's a lot of people expecting that for sure in some respects, but that's a good opportunity. Like you're saying, maybe with land or, yeah, you know, I the, think where so. you can still get a pretty 
competitive price, I would assume, in some respects for things that, that you wouldn't necessarily get, maybe, especially in Jessman County. Good Lord, no. trying to find land in Jessman County. I mean, it's basically accounted for. Yeah. For, for what isn't accounted for. You're going to pay for it. You're going to pay for it and or it's not going to be um, – it, it likely won't be completely usable for whatever it is you want to use. Yeah. Everything that, that would have had, you know – houses on it you're like oh i want to get in the development game and i want to build 100 houses well good luck finding some place in jessamine county where you can yeah. put 100 houses and it's not in the floodplain or it's not um starting to become very ridgy or like, right, right. like that jessamine county is done like <laughs> it's like it's a wrap yeah. um like and from the uh the, not to go off on a super boring topic but from the insurance uh perspective just remember that you can't insure dirt so uh, unless there's something on the land, like an actual structure, doing. or but you have liability yeah. type of thing. But yeah. physically, like I had somebody who was like, "Can I insure the uh, the the woods and you know trees and the woods on the property? Because you know maybe it was could be used for logging or something like that." I'm like, "Well, unless you're a logger right. and that is your business, exactly, that would be something you have you could to do." Be doing but other than that, agricultural <laughs> no. for it to be a farm, yeah. There's so like, you can get crop insurance, you yeah. can get timber insurance, you can get yeah. all kinds of insurance if that's the business Correct. you're running in order so to. So just make remember money. that. And so 100%. there's a lot of times we have to do vacant land type policies, or mm-hmm. sometimes we can extend liability off of a person's homeowner policy, like, like an assume, umbrella kind of thing. Well, umbrella, but we can just add a secondary location liability uh, sometimes, okay. assuming that it is a a completely. Uh, raw land, no structures, not even like a outhouse or yeah. fence type of thing of any kind, just like straight up yeah. nothing there kind of thing. So yeah, that's always a, a different conversation for sure. And, um, but yeah, anything yeah. else to kind of, I mean, topic of mind, I think Harrison Clark and, and Madison are a big opportunities, um, for different reasons, but yeah. those are, those are great places. And I, I often try to advise people. Sometimes people don't want to be advised, but that's my job. Yep. And uh, I often advise them, though, that your purpose does not always equal the highest purpose. So the way that land is priced or should be, if there's someone competent behind the listing and they they know how to, to, to gauge price and how to calculate that, it's going to be priced based, based on its highest and best use. Okay. You know, so an acre of land on Richmond Road it's going to be priced very differently than mm-hmm. an acre of land even out where I live because what do you have on Richmond Road? Traffic <laughs> and opportunity for business. So that's right. going to go for millions of dollars, whereas an acre of land out where I live might cost you a couple hundred. Yeah. Um, or maybe not a couple hundred. I'm thinking of 10, but like probably 50. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, Highest and best use is something that always has to be considered for land because that is what will inform the price. Now, there may be multiple highest and best uses, Mm -hmm. but if your underlying purpose for buying the land is beneath those, then you're either going to pay a premium or you got to find something else to buy. Yeah. So simple (laughs) as that. Um, To wrap up, I mean, what, what are some, now that you've lived here for how long? Seven, four and a eight, half. Oh, four years. and a half. Yeah. What's your kind of fav- favorite thing about the state as a whole? Uh, to be entirely predictable, bourbon. Um, I started drinking bourbon long before I lived here, but I've developed right. quite the collection and knowledge about it. So I, I would it, say it, bourbon's. It wasn't until I really got into it, I realized, and I started going on tours where you start, I start figuring out, like, this is like the Napa Valley, is the way I have to think about it. But it's a the, bourbon, the, yeah. In I the mean, sense that, like, I go to these, you know, the uh, a tour, yeah. and I inevitably, almost every time, will be the only person from Kentucky on that entire yeah. tour. And you're like, you don't ninety five percent of the world's, the country's bourbon, because yeah. bourbon's not just a Correct. Kentucky thing, but ninety five percent of any bourbon ever made is made yeah. here. Yeah. So this is a destination. And then I'd say the second thing is the outdoors. Oh yeah. As much as I love Michigan, um, I will always love it. It's really hard to get to the really wonderful places. Most of Michigan, okay. most, most of Michiganders, I'm going to use my hand, live here <laughs> or they live here. This yes. is all on the, the lower peninsula yeah. and sorry, the yeah the lower peninsula and the lower part of the lower peninsula. Whereas if you go up here, I'm doing it backwards. Technically it's that way. This is where you start to get all of the beautiful stuff, but to drive from here to up here, talking about a lot of time. And so to, to make a weekend trip, out of going to like the northern coast of the UP, you're talking nine hours on the road, sometimes even more. 
um, depending on where you're going and how good the road system is. Whereas here, I can be, I'm going to fly fishing tomorrow. I'm yeah. going to drive an hour to do it. Yeah. You know, I'll have cell phone service the whole time for work. And yeah, like, I love that. I absolutely love the proximity to the wilderness here. Yeah, it really is. You can be, it, I think that's what's uh, so beautiful about Central Kentucky or some of the places that are being developed and so forth. What's your favorite? Um, You're from here. Yeah, but, but it, it took me traveling out, as an adult outside of the state more to mm-hmm. really appreciate just the beauty, like the green, the greenness of yeah. Kentucky. And I guess it's a, a weird way to say that. But, you know, like you go to other states, other places, and you're like, man, it really is very green. And it's like the bluegrass aspect. Maybe that's more central Kentucky specific as a whole. Uh, but then, yeah, the fact that you can go over to the mountains or you can go over more to the, like the flatter plains areas yeah. and kind of like there's so drastic asp- aspects of the uh, the land and how it, what what you can do with it uh, mm-hmm. type of thing. So uh, plus the four seasons and you type of thing. Like I, I don't think I really appreciated that that most people, a lot of people don't have four seasons. Yeah. Really, truly. Could you imagine a and sunny, so- snowless Christmas? <laughs> Or winter snow for like six months. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But yeah, so VMI wants to uh, get a hold of you. What's the best way to at you or uh, Uh, get a hold of you? At me or come to my website. They're the same name, landandhomes.co. So there's no com, just.co. That's both my website, my Instagram handle. And uh, if you want to find me on YouTube, I think that handle is just landandhomes because I couldn't. Right. Period punctuations were not allowed. And what are you doing with that quick summary with the, the, the YouTube channel? Oh, YouTube. I mean, there's hundreds of hours of me talking to people. Like I would love to have you on my show actually. Okay. Um, uh, just hours of me talking about property ownership. So it's, yeah. it's land and homes. I'm, I am SJBD land and homes. So it's both. And so we talk about homeownership. I talk about, I mean, all sorts of stuff, land, cheapest land to find, cheapest yeah. home sets to find, most expensive stuff to find, um, best, counties for turkey hunting, for deer hunting. Okay. Uh, I talked to inspectors. I talked to loan officers and people that are much smarter than me about the economy just to talk about what they think is going to happen yeah. or reactions to what has happened. Um, so just a, a real catch-all for property. So nice. if you're a buyer or a seller, there's probably something there for you. And then Instagram is just a little bit more of like, Got a new drone Ooh, too. Didn't you? Do I I start to do drone, yeah. to do some aerial stuff? Nice. Yeah, going to be doing some aerial stuff soon. There you but go. Yeah, YouTube Sweet. is kind of like my my educational platform, I guess. Hey, again, back to YouTube. Like, I don't know where I'd be without if I had that as a kid. Like, you know, I don't know. You could just learn anything. It would have been crazy. Yeah, I use it all the time now. And that GPT and yep. Oh, it's going to be crazy. It <laughs> is going to be nuts. So, uh, Steve, appreciate you coming on the show, and we will check you me. all back next week. Adios. To learn more about this podcast visit our page at keystothecommonwealth.com. To connect with Landry regarding insuring your investment portfolio, email Landry at novainsurancegroup.com or call 859-687-2004.